0: On Tuesday, October 15th, 2019, 18 protesters risked arrests on the steps of the US Capitol. Leaders from faith communities, human rights groups, clergy, refugees, and refugee agencies held a major action on Capitol Hill as Secretary Pompeo met with Congress to finalize the administration's 80% cut to the refugee admissions program. Beargrass's own Mike Puckett was among the protesters and speakers that day. I sat down with Mike to talk about his experience, his arrest, and what is next in the journey to serve with generosity and a passion for justice.
1: We're a nation of immigrants, mm-hmm. and um, I think that's, it, it's important uh, in the, the history. Uh, of our country, uh, to welcome folks. I think it's a faith initiative too. Uh, Jesus calls us to do that. Mm -hmm. And, uh, so it's, uh, it's important from a faith perspective. Um, but really on a, on a up close and personal level, um, it's, um, wonderful to see, uh, people given rebirth, uh, to see their dignity restored and, uh, their hope restored, and uh, most people coming out of the refugee experience or environment um, have long, uh, long ago had those things stripped away uh, by violence and poverty and hunger. And uh, um, in fact, uh, Ruti Guerra sends Sanzamfira, our most recent refugee co-sponsored uh family uh, here at Beargrass came to church on here on his second Sunday in the U.S. in late August, and we were having a a, uh, session on social justice in the agape classroom. Mm -hmm. And he even spoke that day through an interpreter that on August 15, when he flew into um, Louisville Muhammad Ali International, that he felt as if he was being reborn. Mm -hmm. So those words came out of his mouth. Nobody prompted that. So to see these folks who really Really, if they get to come to this country are winning the lottery Mm. Uh, to see their reaction to that and to see how how much gratitude they have um, uh, is just uh, it's a wonderful thing. But really to see their lives rebuilt. So um, like most things in life, um, it's it's not about the giver because we end up receiving more back Mm. uh, if we are giving.
0: The administration has set the physical year 20 refugee cap at 18,000, the lowest level in the history of the U.S. refugee admissions program. This is an 80% cut from the historic average of 95,000 and the third year that the administration has slashed refugee admissions. Physical year 18 was 45,000 and physical year 19 at 30,000. The consequences of these cuts will be long lasting and the administration has also drastically reduced the number of referrals that the U.S. will accept from the U.N. Refugee Agency and the number of refugee interviews conducted. This in turn reduces the number of refugees that can be screened and processed for resettlement, freezing in place arbitrary low numbers for years to come.
1: So the U.S. has a has a strong history. We've we've traditionally during uh, since Since in the last 40 years, we've traditionally uh, taken about 50% of the refugees that are moved around the world under the United Nations. Wow. So this country has a strong moral and humanitarian imperative to help people who are some of the most uh, impoverished and uh, at risk uh, folks around the globe, particularly given our history as a nation of immigrants mm-hmm. and so we felt like that moral and humanitarian imperative is being uh is being abandoned uh currently with the dismantling of the process so um so are you talking
0: more about the the lowering of the numbers going from this you know yes. 75 to 100,000
1: just before. immigrants
0: being or refugees being allowed to come and resettle in america now to this year 18,000 is that All right
1: that that is that uh, That's exactly what we were protesting.
0: Who are refugees? By definition, refugees are people who have fled persecution due to their race, religion, nationality, political opinion, or membership in a particular social group fewer than 1% of refugees will ever be resettled to a third country. Some say we are facing the worst displacement crisis in world history with more than 70 million displaced people, including more than 25 million refugees. Resettlement is often uh, the last resort for refugees.
1: uh, You can't safely return home or remain in the country where they first fled. uh, Dr. Sharon Stanley Ray, Hmm. Uh, she is the director of Disciples, uh, refugee and immigration ministries. She's a one-person office there. Um, wow. She is. Uh, she's um, uh, a dynamo in terms of energy and uh, mm-hmm. and um, Sharon asked me to share the story. I had met her about eighteen months ago uh, on a trip she made through Louisville, mm-hmm. um, and um, she asked that I talk about uh, Rutieras family and uh, the specific plight Mm -hmm. uh, in this conference call. Well, um, the same afternoon after the conference call, she called back and invited me to Washington to be a part of this. She said she would like that story to be heard. Mm -hmm. And uh, so that's how it all came about. So I had about... Uh, 24 hours to uh, to make a decision on going, and
0: uh, you could have said no.
1: I could have said no, but I, I really there were um, a few motivating factors. Number one, I believe passionately about uh, the uh, the humanitarian cause of refugee resettlement. Um, I um, also uh, felt like it was a call on my conscience uh, that uh, there was at least as a, um, as a symbolic act of uh, defiance or disobedience that uh, I was given an opportunity to do that. And, um, and also um, I see the folks at KRM who have devoted many of them, uh, many, many years uh, to the plight of the refugee. Um, I, I see the, the dismantling of the program, the the very um, um, negative impact it's having on on the organization and on all the uh, wonderful volunteers we have mm-hmm. we have every year KRM will have uh, four or five six hundred volunteers just mm-hmm. in louisville alone oh wow and uh so um it's 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 really um uh, debilitating and um and i felt like that uh, if i could be a part of something this important it was it was an honor to do that
0: what was the atmosphere like
1: well i would say that uh, i did fail to mention that along with with uh, Sharon Stanley Ray, uh, our disciples minister, church roll service was very instrumental in, in um, coming up with this plan of civil disobedience, and uh, so they were wonderful throughout. Uh, and they have an office in right, on, right in the capital area there. Um, I was really on the coattails of Dr. Stanley Ray the whole the, <laughs> during, during the day because uh, I uh, went to her home from the airport. Uh, we hustled down on the uh, the metro line to the Capitol and uh, on to a, a a protest rally on the Senate lawn is where it started. So uh-huh. I don't there were um, I don't know two couple hundred people maybe. Um, along with the speakers and uh, some media there. So there were lots of cameras. Oh, wow. Uh, So we, uh, the 18 folks who were willing to risk arrest, um, wore a life- Vest orange life vest, okay. uh, as, as symbolic of the eighteen thousand that do get to come lives saved. Mm-hmm. Uh, there were ninety five photos that were held up of different folks. I had the, the um, a photo of uh, the other four members of Rudy Guerra's family, um, and so those ninety five photos were symbolic of the. Ninety five thousand that the Grace Act calls to be set Mm -hmm. um, uh, by Congress so that that many are admitted each year. Mm -hmm. Um, Each person had a minute or two to speak of the 18. And um, then there was uh, um, a march to the Capitol steps and Mm -hmm. the 18 of us. Marched to the steps, and the police began to form, um, and kept the uh, folks who were with us, all of which were uh, favorable to the refugee. Okay. There, there were no folks demonstrating against refugee resettlement. So, okay, um, the they were about probably forty or fifty yards away from the steps, mm-hmm. and so then there were there were chants and uh, the Capitol police. Um,
0: did they give Can, you some some space to at least protest or was it like you go up the steps and they're right on you
1: no we were we went up the steps and turned around facing the crowd and there were chants uh, that we had back and forth like with a the call crowd and yes you're uh, right
0: what did that and, feel uh, like you know, i mean 15 um, years you've been dedicated to this cause this you've been doing the work of justice and you're standing on the capitol steps representing 95,000
1: folks well I think it was um, I, I will say that going making the decision and going was um, uh, was something I took as a grave decision I mean getting arrested, in the capital, particularly in today's environment, um, not really knowing what to expect, uh, so there was anxiety, mm-hmm. and I think everybody felt anxiety. We were asked the eighteen of us to wear black uh, to um, to display the uh, the gravity of the situation from our perspective. So it was a very somber occasion, mm-hmm. um, and it was somber throughout. Um, the, um, the police, while always respectful, um, we chanted for a few minutes, I don't know, 10, 15 minutes. And then they, they warned us and they gave it, they give you three warnings to disperse. And, um, uh, we did not, um, had but, you
0: all talked about beforehand? That well,
1: we knew why we were, we knew we were there too. Uh, yes, uh. To as an act of civil disobedience to be arrested mm-hmm. if, if they were so inclined, and they were. Mm-hmm. Um, so after the three mass warnings, then they went to each of the 18 and said, you, this is your final chance to leave. If you don't, you will be arrested, and then they would lead that person. And so it took maybe 20 minutes for all 18 or 30 for all 18 of us to be led off the Capitol steps. Um, mm. But they cuffed us uh, immediately there on the steps. On the steps. Yeah, with those um, nylon ties and yeah. like you see in the movies and, and took us and then they frisk us um, and each one of us had an officer uh, sign. So I would say during the course of the day, there must have been 75 different police officers that were either there in front of us on the Capitol steps or uh, they put us in two different paddy wagons and mm. uh, took us to a detention site off, I don't know, three or four miles away, I guess. And um, they were uh, never uh, unpleasant, but they were never not serious.
0: Right, right.
1: And so I'm sure they they have to fight excuse me, follow the same procedure and routine uh, with each group, not knowing you're what You're in to the expect. paddy wagon. Yes.
0: And you're handcuffed, and you're looking at, what, five or six of your colleagues, seven of your colleagues, and what are you thinking?
1: Well, interestingly, uh, these paddy wagons are fairly small there was a bench down each side with a partition in the middle. So you couldn't see the people you were facing and they put, there were six women and 12 men and they put women on one side and men on the other. Mm. And so uh, that really was the most uncomfortable part, uh, was having your, was being bound in the back and also then being strapped in with a seat belt on a little metal bench. Mm. And, uh, with my knees up against the partition yeah you're a tall guy (laughs) so so yeah so that was the most unpleasant part of the day and then it began to get rather warm in there too it was a Mm. it was a warm day and uh, we were probably in the paddy wagon for an hour the time they loaded us up Mm. and and drove us and then let us sit there for a while so out of the paddy wagon they took us into a detention center and not a cell but more like a a warehouse type place and where tables were set up, and um, they cut the cuffs off, but then they recuffed us in the front this time and uh, frisk us still again, a different. A police officer. And then they segregated us by gender. Uh, we set apart and uh, they would call us up one at a time to do the paperwork on us and charge us. So what we knew is if this going in is if this went as scheduled, although we didn't know how long we'd be detained, that there was a possibility we would pay $50 and not have to go back to court.
0: Okay.
1: And it did turn out that way for us. Now, if you've done this more than twice in the course of a 12-month period, you don't have that option. You have oh, to come right. back to you have okay. to make a court appearance. Okay. So it's it's called. So it's
0: like a fifty-dollar fine. Yes.
1: Okay. So our, our we we before church Royal service took possession of our phones and wallets mm-hmm. and valuables before mm-hmm. we went to the church ste- the uh, capital steps, and. Um, so they were holding those so all we had was cash on us with a driver's license mm-hmm. and so um but when they arrested us they took our belts and they yeah. took one fellow's socks and uh so mm. uh, so as i say it was uh it was a were you talking theory.
0: amongst yourselves Could a you?
1: little bit but it was, there was no levity uh, mm-hmm. i mean the mm-hmm. the the police were um we're all business throughout the the event. And so, there, yeah, there was—but in the paddy wagon, uh, we chatted a bit. But mm-hmm. but still, no one really knew wh- what the process or how long we were going to be. So
0: had so, anybody was, done this before? This was your just, first—
1: <clears throat> It was my first time. Um, I think there may have been some who had, um, um, had demonstrated before, but—
0: But this was um, your first demonstration.
1: Yes, yes. First arrest. Right being, I'm assuming ever, but yes, you don't have to tell me. No, it it was, it was, it was my first arrest. Uh, and, um, so yeah. So, and you know, I'm not the kind of person typically that Mm -hmm. breaks rules. Um, (laughs) but, uh, because I think, um, you know, rules are made for a reason, but this was, um, this was something that I feel passionately about. And, uh that I feel was not only on behalf of refugees, but on behalf of the folks that have given their life to this this mission and ministry, uh, like the folks at KRM. And uh, so it was, it was an important symbolic gesture.
0: So you've spent 15 years of your life fighting for justice on behalf of refugees. You have now protested, you've gone to jail for, I guess, jail for a little bit, um, for the plight of the refugee. Was it worth it?
1: It was absolutely worth it. Yes. I think there, um, you know, what's happening is a real travesty. Um, I think it, it, uh, belies our country's history. Mm-hmm. Um, it belies, um, uh, the humanitarian, uh, value system and beliefs that, uh, that people of faith have and, and many people that, that don't have institutional faith, uh, believe in, in the, um, the plight of the refugee and mm-hmm. helping refugees. Uh, you know, there was a quote by someone and I can never remember who said this, but the greatest determinant, um, in someone's life as to the quality of life they're going to have is where they are born. Mm -hmm. And, um, and that happens. These people are victims, Mm -hmm. uh, whether they've been, you know, persecuted by the, um, the regime in Myanmar for the last 60 years or by the, um, the violence in the Congo for, now for well over a decade um uh, these folks are they're they're victims and uh so it's like uh any victim um it's it's our duty if we can uh, if we can assist uh to stand up and and assist and uh, and to try to uh right those social wrongs
0: what have you learned from the refugees I mean, after 15 years, that's, you know, you've, you've been in the community, you've walked alongside them as they're rebuilding their life, they're learning new languages, they're learning about our institutions and processes. And like you said, it all seems probably crazy to them. Um, what have you learned from them?
1: Well, I've learned first, D that um, refugees are just people mm-hmm. like you and me. Uh, you know, the Dalai Lama says that um, there are many things which segregate and separate us on this globe, um, but the first thing is the most important that we have in common, and we're all human beings, mm-hmm. and, um, you know, from that we may be separated by, uh, by race or by uh, poor and rich or urban and rural or uh, ethnicity or nationality, but... First and foremost, uh, we are all human beings. Mm-hmm. And um, so I would, I would verify that. Uh, they, refugees want the same thing uh, as we want, mm-hmm. uh, especially those refugees who have children. Um, just like all the immigrants who've come to this country for three or four centuries now, uh, they have come to try to find a better life and better opportunities for their children. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they typically do. Uh, because they are hardworking. You know, if you go down to the... um slaughterhouses in Butchertown, right now you'll find uh, a large number of refugees working in those slaughterhouses. Um, If you go to the Brown Hotel or the Galt House, wherever it might be, you will find in housekeeping a large number of refugees. They take the jobs, they stay on the jobs, they come to work every day, they give their best as they put their children through school. And their children come out to uh, excel, typically. So I would say that uh, it's just the resilience of the human spirit mm-hmm. is, is one of the things that, um, that sort of hits me, is we are all human beings. We are resilient beings. Uh, we just have to be given the opportunity. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and sometimes there's no way out for them unless somebody gives them a helping hand.
0: For folks who are listening or want to get involved with helping re- refugees here locally in our own community, what what should what should we do? Where where should we go? What
1: what does this look like for us? Well, I think if you wanted to to, uh, really do uh, tangible things, you can uh, contact Kentucky Refugee Ministries or Catholic Charities also has a site in Louisville. Uh, KRM happens to have sites in both Louisville and Lexington and a smaller presence in northern Kentucky. But KRM has a volunteer coordinator. uh, So that's uh, if you want to do something that's you know, either on site or we have folks that go in and mentor uh, young children. I know, uh, uh, sort of an in law, a lady that's uh, mentored a young Iraqi girl for I think eight years now, mm, and wow. uh, so in 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 her home, she's a she's a teacher with JCPs. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, so there are formal. Um, avenues that you can work through to to help refugees i would say that community-wide it's important Mm -hmm. when you encounter someone who uh, has broken english to uh to be pleasant Mm -hmm. um and to a smile uh, goes a long way i'm a firm believer in smiling yes (laughs) and so um it it does go a long way so but there are formal ways you can get involved financially you can support um you know here at Beargrass. We have a line item in our budget for a family each year, have for for several years now. Uh, We're also part of church world service. We're part of the, The bigger disciples mission which which is very active that's Mm -hmm. what uh, dr. Sharon Stanley Ray is heading up Uh, so financial support uh, you know personal assistance uh, working on a team to Mm -hmm. to help co-sponsor a family Uh, so there are many many ways but um, reaching out to KRM is is if you really want to get involved is where you should start I would say
0: well Mike thank you for your bravery for your passion and your service to not only Beargrass and to KRM, but really to those thousands of folks that are, their lives are being changed. You are an instrument of hope, and so we thank you so
1: much. Thank you, I appreciate your time.
0: Thank you for uh, living out your passion for justice. Until next time, peace.